What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Breakdown. I'm Joe Rodonis, and with me, as always, is Ryan Turner. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thanks. And with us today, we have a very special guest who was recently on the show, and she's back for more. Woohoo! Rachel, welcome hey, to the party. <laughs> Glad to be back. This is great. It means the first one went well. Yeah, I mean, when you asked me to come back, I was like, are you sure? Aren't you sick of me yet? <laughs> no, you're hired. No, no, this is actually, you're on the show forever now. Oh gosh. Welcome to the <laughs> what team. What am I committed to? <laughs> we got you. <laughs> Yo, so we're excited. We brought Rachel back because um, if you did listen to her episode and if you didn't, I encourage you guys to, to tune into that one because one of the main topics that we want to dive into that she touched on briefly was the pressures that a female athlete or just female in general may face when it comes to the fitness and just societal pressures that you deal with. Um, Rachel talked about, you know, the feeling of having to be skinny or be a certain way versus being strong and training like an athlete. And it got me to think as Ryan and I were talking about, you know, the negative kind of mentality that you could have in the fitness space, right? So if you're trained, you could train and it's a great thing. We all want to be healthy and this is a good thing, but sometimes you can do, uh, you can do it for the wrong reasons, right? So maybe you're looking at things with an unhealthy mindset and those are the things that we want to talk about. So we're going to dive into more of a roundtable conversation today um, about body image and things like, you know, judging yourself and your self-worth around your body fat percentage or weight loss, you know, how you, you know, define your value as a human being, um, trying to uh, find a healthy way to take, make fitness personal to you, right? So that you're doing it for your reasons and, and uh, taking care of your body the way that makes you healthy and you happy. Um, so we're going to dive into these topics today. Um, so to dive in first, I think it would be fascinating to uh, dive in with Rachel a little bit more about the female perspective um, and the societal pressures that you face. So in the interview that we did where I was unfortunately sick at the time, you missed you. Um, <laughs> I, you mentioned that you had this old view of the skinny diet approach and you had this uh, aha moment of training like an athlete where you were more concerned about performance. And I really want to dive into that a little bit more. So kind of help us understand what is the skinny diet kind of mindset? So I think the skinny diet mindset is kind of striving to look a certain way that society has deemed over the past few decades. That's what is beautiful, right? And so um, we see so much now all over the place on magazines, on Instagram, and we see these women who are skinny and tall and quote unquote lean. Um, the amount of questions I get about like, how do I get the like ab crack or like, how do I look like this person? And um, a bunch of my friends follow quote unquote motivation on Instagram, who are these Instagram models or trainers. And I think in the past, like all I wanted was to look a certain way and people tell you in order to do that, you have to not eat as much and eat a lot of vegetables or um, some protein and work out a ton. And the the way that I was misinformed in the past as well is, uh, which is still true, like to lose weight, you need to 
eat less than you're burning. So in my mind, all I wanted to do was like the highest calorie burn workouts. And in today's age of like the whoop, the Apple watch, the Fitbit, like that's awesome. We can measure these things, but so many people end up chasing just like a 500 calorie burn workout just so that, and then eating not that much, hoping they'll then look like an Instagram model. Um, And that was my mentality for many years. And I argue that's the mentality of most people who don't really know what it takes to um, even obtain that kind of lean look. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, for me, it was a lot of trial and error on my own body, but a lot of people aren't educated on that proper journey per se. Where, what was the aha moment for you? Like when did, when did it shift? Like what, what did you hear or feel that made you break out of it and say, I need to change this into maybe a more empowering kind of approach? So I remember telling Ryan, I used to go through these cycles of just doing like a workout class every day and not eating that much and like always being tired and working out used to be kind of like a check mark in my day. Like, Oh, I have to do this. So I don't gain weight. And like, it's the only way I'll get skinny. And it wasn't something I was like enjoying. It never felt like I was obtaining goals. Like I always kind of felt like I wasn't doing enough um, because I wasn't seeing the results because I would burn out and then eventually just not work out for a week and eat what I want. You know, it's like a dangerous cycle. Um, So I think when I turned over to strength training and like week by week, especially when you're kind of in that beginner stage, you're like, wow, I just did a body weight squat. Like I just can do 10 pushups now. I couldn't even do one. Like Mm -hmm. you start getting so many quick wins and like it's something to be excited about. Like, oh, I want to go to the gym because yesterday I was so close to getting a pull up and maybe I'll get it today. And, um, it, it started making working out super fun and like something I looked forward to and could actually, it, it wasn't a chore anymore. Um, but like I said, that journey was still in the process because I wasn't eating enough to then feel those kind of workouts. Like my body was like, I was breaking down muscle tissue and I was sore all the time, but I was still not eating enough because, um, I didn't know how to feel for those workouts for a long time. Um, but it it does take um like it, it was that shift of kind of achieving those goals and then while achieving them not wanting to be tired at the gym not wanting to feel fatigued after and constantly sore like that's the power of nutrition right where that comes in um and it, it's a again liberating feeling to get there yeah i think i think there's freedom in it it's it just I understand why it exists. I mean, Ryan, I'm sure you see this all the time, right? I've felt this way. You and I, when, when we first met, I had the same conversation with Ryan where I was like, dude, I feel weak and tired, uh, in my workouts. And I didn't know why. And, and you quickly pointed out that it's like, well, you're under eating. I think you're not having enough protein. You're certainly not having enough carbohydrates. So this isn't just even a female thing. I think this is a societal thing. Maybe it's a lack of knowledge. Um, I myself was under eating carbs for the same reason. I wanted to stay very lean, uh, before fitness was hundred percent of what I do. There was a modeling aspect in my life and we have the same pressure. If you get too big, too muscular, 
you're immediately taken out of the running for certain jobs. So you have this idea that you have to fit a mold that is kind of created for you. Right. And I got to a point where it was more me deciding that me at my happiest was more prioritizing performance and energy level and just being like, okay, I don't care if I get these jobs more than I care about feeling good and maybe being at my best. Right. But I mean, what, where do you think this kind of stems from in your opinion, Ryan? I think it's a good question because we don't really have the answer. We're not really sure where it's coming from. So if someone says you need to be leaner, right? Why? Someone doesn't just think innately, I just have to eat less. Have you guys ever felt that way? That like, okay, I just eat less and that was just born knowing that. You don't know that, right? So is it is it coming more from social media? Is it coming from a friend or a lot of the time we're looking at really what has developed over our lifetime? So maybe it's part of nurturing. So we look back and maybe towards our parents a little bit. So a lot of people I end up meeting with, they will let me know that they've been chasing a, a you know a body fat loss goal or a weight loss goal. And they start talking about maybe how their parents used to eat, how their mom used to maybe count Weight Watchers points or how their dad was just going to be snacking on all vegetables all day long and then, you know, would eat like a really tiny dinner. Um, but the answer is we don't know, right? I don't, I don't, I don't know where it starts. I don't know where it really gets perpetuated from for every single person. But if you guys just thought back again, this is a roundtable discussion, right? Yeah, we're not. So, I'm just curious. I can think back to a few things in my life where I knew that I wanted a a certain kind of physique when I was young. I was really, really skinny as a kid. And people would look at my older brother who was extremely muscular. They'd be like, whoa, whoa, uh, did your brother eat all the food? And I'd be like, I don't know. It's going <laughs> on. So, um, but I, I realized now I was just under eating at that point because I, I don't know where that really came from. And I, I still don't right now know exactly what told me that I need to eat a bunch of carbohydrate right now because that's going to end up helping me get the physique I want. I don't know if I really knew what I wanted. I remember turning to, and I've mentioned this before, turning to, um, I was in like history class and I saw one of the football players just pour a, a scoop of creatine in his mouth. And just dry creatine. I was like, gross. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So gross. But in my mind, I'm like, that's it. That's what you do. Yeah. And so like, and so now I'm basically, I'm carving up because like I knew when I was younger a little bit that like, yeah, you do get energy from carbohydrates. I never had an idea of calories and I was thinking supplements are going to help me. So I, again, I don't know where that came from. I used to read men's health all the time. Yeah, right. Me and too. so like, I'd look at some interesting kind of stuff there, but Maybe from you guys, like where did you first learn about nutrition? Because I, that is where I think it stems from. It is. In my upbringing, we didn't, I didn't have a lot of knowledge with nutrition. My, my parents didn't have really any nutritional background. We just, we just ate food. Like, and in fact, when I was a kid, my dad would have almost four plates at dinner. Like he would go back and forth, like just eat like crazy. Sure. So there was never an education. In fact, in my family, it was finish your plate. And like, if you got seconds, it was almost like a badge of honor. Like even at family parties, anybody who would go up for more, it was more like a compliment to whoever cooked that like, oh, it must be really good. And what a growing boy this guy is. Right. And I, it's like, I guess that's a cultural thing. I, I don't know. It's kind of outdated. I think, um, you know, eating your plate and finishing your plate, uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily do that now. Maybe it's the wrong portions. Maybe I overserved myself. Right. Like we're not even asking that, but 
I grew up eating Pop Tarts and Cinnamon Toast Crunch yes, as a for kid. Breakfast. Do- every I had morning. donuts for breakfast yes. every day. Same no, here. Right? No wonder I'm tired. I used to have. I used to go to baseball games, right? As a kid, I'm playing in high school. And after practice, my brother and I would go to Taco Bell to get two quesadillas because it was $2.50 with this like special card that we had. And here I am wondering why I'm tired, sluggish, and not improving <laughs> in baseball. Yep, I had um, my dance studio. We would sometimes be at the studio from like 4 p.m. till 8 p.m. So all of us would go to like either Burger King or McDonald's for dinner, like as a group of 20 girls, like every day. And I was like, mom, you didn't think it was a bad idea. I was eating fast food every <laughs> single day. And I was like, you were active. It was fine. Um, but I, I'm similar. Like I grew up and it was like, if you had two bowls of rice, like that's great. She's, she's young. She needs to fuel. Um, and it is funny though, cause it, it is when you're younger, it seems like our parents' generation, it was more, um, like, liberating maybe like they they didn't have as much information as there is out there now like when you ask me where these fear of carbs or fats like come from like if you even think about it you you read articles on um in the past like the atkins diet keto diet intermittent fasting like there's just so much out there like at this point like whole 30 like everything's bad for Mm -hmm. you apparently (laughs) and so um and you get the wrong article in the wrong hands, they find this as like the only answer for fat loss. That's right? true. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like for a lot of people, they don't realize if, if aesthetics are part of the goal, like and Ryan, you must see this all the time. Like it's the biggest ingredient is consistency, right? Like you do need to stick with something. Um, you need to work out multiple times a week and eat well over months to get a certain physique and our culture is so addicted to that fast result like they do see the end product of a lot of people who've trained for years and ate well for years and so out of desperation like when I ask my friends like where did you even read about this diet they're like well I just want to like look really good and Three weeks when I go to Miami. Oh my god! It's, <laughs> an, it's, it's that instant gratification yeah. that we want, right? Yeah. Because right now we can hop on the internet, and get anything we want, right? Right. I mean, I hop on Amazon. If if I wanted something right now, I'm going to get it tomorrow. Like that's so that's so quick and easy. But coming back to what we just talked about, like with our parents, both of you mentioned a, a story of basically if your parents possibly, let's say, overfeeding you a little bit, right? That that point, yeah. there was no no one was instilling this fear of food at that point. So. I think what we're talking about is, okay, well, where is that coming from? So maybe it's not from one word. Usually, like everyone's story is different. Let's say that. But for you guys yeah. right now, it definitely seems like it maybe came a little bit further down the road. So is it something where maybe it's stemming from friends at that point, right? But it sounds like you were, Rachel, eating with your friends, right, after mm-hmm. practice. So maybe their parents weren't perpetuating anything either. Does it take just this one person? Is there one bad seed? And that message is just what sticks with us? It's probably a mix of so many things. Yeah. You can't, probably can't pinpoint it. I, for Like for me growing up, I didn't gain weight eating like this. I was always skinny, right? Even my yeah. dad had a very high metabolism. And that dude would finish a pint of ice cream every night. But he was active in a construction job all day. So looking back, I'd be like, oh, my dad was intermittent fasting. He would have breakfast, <laughs> not eat all day until he got 
home for dinner. And that's why he would eat so much food because he didn't eat all day. So the dude never gained weight and he had an active job. And then I didn't gain weight eating bad food. So I never, ever correlated performance with food ever. And I never had a problem with weight gain ever. Mm -hmm. So it was never an issue. It wasn't until I cared about aesthetic, like something happened where look, having low body fat is just, that's what you look at in the magazines, right? When I'm 18, 20, I'm looking at, you know, the dudes that are ripped with six packs and you're just like, I want that. How do I get that? And the only information you get were from the fitness magazines or from some online program. And they tell you to eat a certain way. And it's that macronutrient. You got to follow this and package your meals. And I didn't have any other way of viewing it. So there was my way of eating, which was free and loose and go out with your friends and just eat. Or it was, I have to follow a plan. And it was so stringent. Those are the only reference points that I had. So if you weren't following a plan, you wouldn't get those results. So I went and followed a plan and like you get the results, but then you sacrifice a lot of freedom with it too. It feels very constrictive. Yeah. And you know, I'm just thinking now I'm thinking about looking at a magazine and seeing someone and being like, oh, that's a physique I want. And, you know, being a young boy, the reason that I wanted to look that way is because, you know, the girls, they liked that, right? They would kind of like, ooh and ah, that kind of thing. So that's what I wanted, right? I think around that, like around puberty, around growing, it's like this sexuality kind of thing, right? I think once we become more sexual um, beings, once we become more um, kind of aware of, of the world in that respect, I think that's when maybe we wake up a little bit more, right? Yeah. Um, then that, I'm just speaking personally right now. That might not be anything what you guys are kind of seeing, but I think that's really where maybe things do stem from a little bit if I'm thinking about it right now. Well, let's go down that rabbit hole a little bit. Sure. So in the psychology of it, um, in your youth, so let's say in college, like Rachel, did you, I mean, looking back, did you tie some of like your self-worth or value to your aesthetic? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was just about to say, for me, I think it started in high school. Like, I literally ate whatever I wanted, didn't even know what a calorie was until then. But in high school, like, you, unfortunately, um, and a lot of people have been through this, like, you base your self-worth on, like, your popularity and if boys like you and, um, like, you start hearing things from, like, I remember like my guy friends would be like, oh, she's so hot. And like, you'd look at that girl they all thought was hot and she's this skinny, beautiful girl. And you're like, oh, like if if we all looked that way, then like all the guys will think we're hot. So they'll all like us. And therefore, like I'll then like myself. And so in college, I think it only magnifies like you put so many people in the same age group on a campus. And again, your self-worth is like how many guys ask you out, like how popular are you at parties etc and i mean it shouldn't be that way but that's just life that's the truth it right? is and now it's what mm-hmm. likes on your instagram pictures exactly. right and Absolutely. so i think that's something that can perpetuate it too i don't have enough of these i'm not skinny enough right and i'm right. so curious too and i we don't have to go down this rabbit hole but like what who taught those boys what hot looks like like i just exactly. and this is right. all like really philosophical i know right now but it's like like i'm just thinking back i'm like what what taught me that like what made me think of that body or that girl or just made it look like they were they were sexier i don't i can't i don't i don't know that's so weird right that's that kind of that innate kind of thing i guess i don't know man 
but it's obviously a societal issue. Like we've all been there. I mean, is I that what we're saying? We're saying that it's society. Yeah, I think. Yeah, because I think this has been an issue for forever. Like that, there's just an evolution, maybe in just maturity, right? Mm-hmm. In the beginning, you're doing things to please other people or to try to be well liked, right? So you'll do almost anything to. Because uh, you want to belong to a group, and so if you think that these people like this thing about me, you try to fit into their box, right? But then you just learn that that's not what makes you happy. It doesn't. It doesn't actually give you a sense of fulfillment, right? I just had this conversation the other day uh, with with a buddy, and uh, it was with Adrian, who used to be one of the coaches here. We were talking about body fat as a goal, if you are like, I need a six pack. Well, the second that you get it, you realize it doesn't actually fulfill you, right? It's just like the same thing. Make you a better person or athlete. No, it's just, it's great. But then what? It's not like some end goal. Like I have 5% body fat. Now my life is freaking fantastic. It's not the end thing. Like you still have to be a good, well-rounded person and love yourself. Right. It's a great goal to have. I'm all about aesthetic goals. Like that's fine. It's just leading with that as your only foundation of who you are or how you're trying to um, be liked by people or I guess like attract your friends I think is just a it's it's a unbalanced place so I you know with this that's I think that's interesting right so we're, we're basically looking at um, at sexuality and kind of where we stand popularity wise like when we are a little bit younger what makes someone cool maybe it's going to be their looks I'm going to project on this a little bit just because and I always talk about my daughter, but like I'm going to see my daughter going through this similar situation. How do we think it's going to be, you know, how can we build up someone's self-worth without having them drop to that point? Like, what is it? Do we, do we get them to play sports? Like, okay, they play sports and therefore now they know how strong or fast or talented they are. Do we get them playing instruments? Do I like, should we be talking to our kids and other people and be building them up? Is this what, like, we need some kind of like, like lover aid here and make 100%. sure that like we're really lover aid. <laughs> should we make that? Um, well, I think, and Joe and I talked about this a little bit before the podcast, like a, a great thing growing up like rather than telling your daughter like, oh, you look so pretty in that or like you look so beautiful and like giving physical compliments, like I think instilling in people like that, how you treat others, how kind you are, how driven you are, like actual characteristics that make you a great friend, a great daughter, a great father, um, like that's why people enjoy you in their life it shouldn't like compliments that only stem from physical like, and it's funny right because for me like the best compliment someone can give me is like you're a really great friend I don't really care if someone's like you look really good today I'm like that's thank you like it's just like it's a it's a maybe it doesn't stick with you that yeah, long right because right. you're like because I'm not gonna lie if someone says hey you look good today I'll be like oh shit nice like I, I feel good yeah but that um, that's that's gonna dissipate pretty quickly right, right? but right. when someone says you're a good friend and maybe I'm just speaking for me. That's going to stick with me for a long time. Be like, I'm a good yeah. friend. That defines me. Because they like get that. to know you. They actually know you, yeah. right? The physical is just, it's its a quick glance. They look at you. They don't know you, right? They don't know the kind of person that you are. Yeah. They just see something and it's like, all right. But mm-hmm. we all want a deeper connection. So you want something of substance. And we see it in here all the time. Like if you, it, there's just more, there's more of a foundation to it. Um, the example that I always use is, you know, muscle and aesthetic is great or how you look is fantastic, but how you perform 
right? How you are, how you act is how you treat people is way more important and should be the value, right? The value creation. Um, do you create community? Do you support your friends? And if you're talking about a strictly training perspective, we've seen, and I've seen a lot of people that look fit, but cannot perform. You have them do something that they haven't done. And it's like, they die on a conditioning workout. And it's like, why do you have all this just to look a certain way? Like that's, I'd rather be able to move my body and use it. Right. Not just have some one dimension. Yeah. And I, I, th- I, I agree with you hundred percent. There are people though, I think that would say like, I don't want to move. I don't want to do that. Right. And I think that what you're getting to a little bit is you really, you have to find what you care about. Like you need to be able to find your happiness. Like when someone is, um, Joe, I'm sure like when someone says, I want to get stronger, uh, I don't know where you go with your questioning sometimes, but I would want to know what does that, like, why do you want to get stronger? Someone says, well, um, I want to be more confident. I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. Why do you want to be more confident? Okay. I want to be more confident because I want to like do better at work. Well, why do you want to do better at work? Um, well, you know what? I do better at work. Maybe I'm going to make more money. Well, why do you want to make more money? Um, well, I maybe want to make more money because I want my family to be in a pretty good position, like financially, and I want to retire early. Oh, yeah. what, what does that mean to you? Well, it means freedom and I'm kind of loving my family. Oh, so all of this, you're, the reason you want to get stronger is really because you want to make your family happy. How yep. amazing is that? Right? So you have to kind of keep pushing yourself and people get really uncomfortable to put themselves under the microscope. But once someone understands that, I think uh, once they understand the reason that they want that outcome, I think that they are um, that much stronger and they are going to keep themselves accountable and they're going to drive themselves even harder towards it. And we see better outcomes, I think, for the long term when we kind of get to that. And I would implore anybody when you start thinking about this or maybe, you know, because we're talking about like kids or where this is stemming from, I guess. Right. If you see a kid that maybe is struggling with this kind of idea, I would I would really I would press them. I'd say, well, what does that mean to you? What does this mean? Maybe use some kind of people in like social media or a celebrity and be like, okay, is, is this what this means? Like, do you know anything about this person beyond what they look like? No. Okay. Well, do you know what this person means? Oh, they're a really good actor. Well then what do you like? Kind of, I think like pressing those things would be a really great thing. And if we became more comfortable with that as a society, I think that'd be great. Make sense. Yeah. Love that. Cool. Love that. Right. Drop, I'm out. <laughs> uh, bye Ryan. <laughs> Rachel, I'm curious, like why going back to your shift, right from the skinny diet to like mm-hmm. a performance driven like why why do you train now like what is your priority and your focus your reasons for training at the level you do today so i mean the the number one reason is truly that it's become a form of a stress reliever like i mentioned before like it's it's become part of my day it's what um separates work and home from me it's it, it's become therapeutic um, I know not everyone can say that, but it's gotten to that point for me. Um, but secondly, like I, it is my personality to want to um, like obtain goals and strength goals. And it, you just, you feel like a badass, like you're in the gym and like most of the time I look around and I'm the like one of maybe two women on a lifting floor and it, it's, if it's an awesome feeling, like it gives me confidence. Like I will blatantly say lifting weights, um, heavy weights, like I feel awesome in there and it, it took a while to get there, but it, it drives 
confidence in me right mm. and so like the confidence isn't coming from like how am I looking while doing these exercises it's coming from like wow like my body can do such amazing things and I've worked so hard to get here and it's only gonna get better and better as I put more time into it I, I love that yeah I think the programming aspect, because last time you were with us, we didn't really get to dive so deep into how like the research that you're putting into things, but it takes a lot of time. It does. Right. And so is, is this what drives all that programming, all that very um, unique way of kind of approaching your workouts? It makes it so personal. Right. I think that yeah. that there that this is deep enough. Right. You mentioned everything being so therapeutic. Well, you're going to spend time programming this for yourself. You're going to spend time, spend money. You're going to spend time. You're going to spend effort. Putting everything into it. I mean, think about this, like training. That's a, this is a great example of training for solid reasons, right? And then because of this, the byproduct is you, you will look good. You will have a healthy body fat percentage, like the aesthetics and the, it comes with the journey, right? Cherry on top. (laughs) It's the cherry. It is. And then it just happens, but you're also not relying your entire reason for being based on some aesthetic because even when you're training at a high level you it will fluctuate your body fat's going to fluctuate how you look is going to fluctuate based on how you sleep how you rest whatever so uh, I love that and this is an example of fitness being done the right way when you mention it building confidence like this is what got me obsessed with this industry is we've said this before that like when you're training, it actually reveals a lot of your self-talk. So I think some of like the mental kind of games that you play with yourself when you think you should, when you want to quit, right? When you're tired, do you push through? What's the quality of work you're doing, right? If I tell you to go to the line, do you go to the line or you stop short, right? Do you give up on yourself? It reveals a lot of what you need to work on. Like, do you feel the same way? Do you work on that type of stuff in the gym or am I just crazy? No, absolutely. Like it, it's a self-drive and it builds worth ethic, right? Like even outside of work, um, you, you're building this muscle of like, you're always showing up like every day won't be the best day, but, um, you're consistent. And like you said, training in a smart way and like getting faster, um, lifting heavier weights, like those are awesome things to strive for and I like what you mentioned about like body weight and fat percentage will always fluctuate like I train very consistently but I've had months or periods where I have way higher percentage body weight because it's the holidays or I'm on vacation and like I'm enjoying life and I'm not letting it affect my performance and I've been at really low body fat percentages like much lower than I am now with the way I'm training and it was a struggle to show up every day and my, I didn't feel as good at the gym and um, I didn't enjoy the things outside of life, like to the point that even like relationships suffer because I don't want to um, go out and have fun as much over the week. Like it, at, at that point, like, like what's the point, right? Like it, so I think like training and keeping that consistent in my life, but like accepting that, my body will ebb and flow during different transitions during the year and seasons and like being totally okay with that because my training is consistent, you know? What do you see with that Ryan with like fluctuation of weight and body fat percentage? Like, I mean, this, this is a common thing that I'm sure you're seeing, right? 
Yeah, I think that it's definitely there's there's a there's a there's like micro cycles within this macro cycle of the year. Uh, I think sometimes we see people trying to hold on to such a low body fat percentage at a more difficult time when it comes to eating, say like around the holidays. And they're like, and so then their their image of themselves almost kind of uh, drops a little bit because they're like, man, I haven't been able to to really maintain this lower body fat percentage. And it's well, because you're enjoying some food with your family, like you're more around them, you're enjoying those moments, you're at a table, you're talking, yeah, you're going to eat a little bit more food. And the thing is perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, people, I think they, there's body fat is not static. It's always going to be changing. And I think it's a good thing that, that it actually does change. So, um, can it happen? Yeah. But does happiness follow? No. Right. I agree with that. Like it, aesthetic goals, kind of what you mentioned with the six pack, like it, and maybe it's because I've been there, like I've wanted lower body fats and lower body weight and I've gotten there and I'm like, well, now what? I was like, it's not like you get more friends or in a relationship. And so not like this magic spell that Mm -hmm. suddenly makes you into the best version of yourself that a lot of people think it is like that, um, that quick fix, right? Um, your, the way you look and losing weight isn't a quick fix to potentially other issues that might be in your life at that moment. Um, and people and need to be able to dissociate those things. Yeah. In fact, it could be causing you to not look at the real issues at all because you're focused on if I change my appearance, this is going to make me better. Right. And these problems that I have in my life will go away. Right. And you find out that that's not true. This is where fitness can honestly be an addiction. Right. And that's a whole nother rabbit hole where you're doing something good for the wrong reasons. Right. You're avoiding your problems. Right. Fitness can become an addiction. You become obsessed over it sometimes where you're chasing endorphins, you're chasing an appearance, a look to again, get love and attention. And you know, you can fall and you can find maybe a relationship because of how you look. It would just probably be the wrong one. And then when you're in it, you realize this doesn't make me happier. This person doesn't actually care about who I am. Like it's for a superficial reason. Right. So, uh, it's just something to challenge. And, and I hope that people take a deeper look as to why they're doing this. Right. It's meant to, again, increase confidence. You should be training for your health. Like I want some of the best reasons I ever hear from people trying to really take care of themselves and train is I want to live a long life so that I can play with my grandkids and I want to fight, you know, the possibility of me having cancer. And, um, I want to compete in this race and like do really what, you know, with my friends, like those are things that, you know, carry a lot of weight. And it, I, when we start talking about, because someone might be listening and they might say, hey, I I don't really care. I still want lower body fat, right? Because it's going to make me <laughs> like they're going to say. Um, but maybe we can dispel some uh, some myths here. I don't know. Uh, oh, around um, around body fat and maybe performance, right? So okay. I know that um, people always think about like, hey, uh, a lower body fat, say it's going to show a six pack around like maybe like nine to 11% body fat. That's going to show more definition and I'm going to be a better like receiver like in football, right? Or I'm going to sprint better from a training side. What would you say about that? That lower body fat makes you a better athlete? No, yeah, absolutely not. Uh, it does. I don't think it equates at all. In fact, 
uh, it's, it's a, in, in fact, I've seen some really good athletes that maybe have a higher body fat percentage. Yeah. I like that. Cause if you end up looking at like, like very successful athletes, like I always look at Tom Brady, right. And I look at him and I'm like, he, like, if you actually looked at him or like, uh, maybe even like Eli Manning or, I mean, everyone can kind of judge those quarterbacks on how successful they've been or not successful. But like they're they're competing at one of the most competitive positions in the com- most competitive sport in the world. Um, if you've ever seen them, they're not exactly like like chiseled, right? Right. It doesn't have anything to do with performance or even success. And with dancing, right? Have you like you know? I'm not. Did you see anyone that you would have you had at the time would have thought, okay, that person definitely like body fat's not as um, not as low as everyone else wants it to be, but they're a damn good dancer. Oh my gosh, yeah, that was yeah. very common actually because they're they're more powerful. Like okay, and yeah, even even on the training side, like for me personally, and I think that that's another thing is like it differs by person. Like some some people genetically are just like how they are built like they can be at extremely low body fat but still perform at super high levels because they're still eating enough and they still feel energized that same level of energy and body fat with the same performance is going to look different on someone next to them and so for me like extremely low body fat and not eating enough I can't perform like I, I it just doesn't work for me but so it's like detrimental almost. Right. Mm-hmm. But for others, like I, I have friends who have completely different genetics than me, always at a lower body fat, still performing super well. Um, but they, they eat a ton like and, and that's OK. Everyone's just built differently. And I think, again, that's another part of people's journey is like figuring out that sweet spot of I feel really good at the gym. I'm not dreading it because I'm tired. It's it's adding value to my life, not taking away from it yet I'm still eating well and like this is this is my sweet spot and I think at the end of the day people need to realize the sweet spot looks different on every single person Mm -hmm. and I think the enjoyment of life as well right someone's thinking like okay like if you're trying to get down to this like the lowest body fat ever to look you know what you think is better and maybe your dance uniform your mind must be so taken over by everything around food and around, you know, how you look and you get to this, like this high point of your day is at practice, but then you don't feel like very good. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well nothing feels good anymore. But the person who was just fueling and didn't think that their body fat needed to be so low, like they probably just enjoy things a little bit more. It's very possible. Right. Um, I had another, I'm just forgetting my thought. I just had a thought, but it's, it's now it's fleeting. It's gone. It's gone. I have a question for you. Yeah. I haven't asked you this, but I'm curious. Uh, I'll come back to it. You know it? Sure. Okay. Go on. I want to hear you first only because I think we can go a little bit further down with this other thing. So I wanted to ask, so, uh, bodybuilder competitors, right? They are known for obviously having a very low body fat percentage, right? Do you know what that process entails to get that low and, how you get there for the day of competition and maybe what the aftermath is like the day after competition, like what happens to them, maybe energy wise, stuff like that. So I'll be, I'll be straightforward with this and say, I've never really worked directly with a physique competitor. Yeah. Right. So, but I've definitely looked at them and there's a, there's, there are dietitians out there that, that focus specifically on this population. 
But from a lot of the things that I've ended up hearing what they do and how they're going to be eating for some time, like they go through ver- a very intense period, whether it's going to be like three or two months beforehand, they're at a severe deficit. Carbohydrate is non-existent within their diet. They're trying to basically get as much water out of their body as possible. And even leading up to a competition, they might end up doing something like a water load and then into a water fast, right? So they're squeezing water out of their body. They're not allowed to eat anything. There's no way that you're going to maintain that. And I think a physique competitor would also let you know that you you can't maintain that kind of thing. But there's been a few physique competitors in here that I've worked with on the other side where they said, I just don't understand food anymore, right? Because they, they, they went through so many competitions. And so one after another, their, their, the diet mentality, it was just, it was chronic. It just kept going, right? And they're like, okay, well, when am I going to take a break? Well, they never could. And then they never knew where to go back to. Yeah. And like, even when I'm working with someone, when like, let's say that we do have to put someone in a calorie deficit for whatever the, whatever that reason is, I always say, but do you know where to come back to? Because if I talk to you this one time and I tell you that, yes, a calorie deficit is going to benefit you, I never see you again. Are you going to be forever dieting then? Mm-hmm. And they say, well, I guess so. That's also a reason why I don't like to work with one per- a person just one time. Yeah. Um, I ask them, I'm like, how, how committed are you to kind of working with me? Um, but yeah, people have to understand kind of how to come out of that because it can be pretty ugly. And even the side of where they're coming out of a competition or anybody and you in the modeling world, you must see this. Where you do, you maybe restrict carbohydrate, you restrict some water before you go into a shoot, Yeah. right? What, what happens when you end up coming out of that, right? And you start to increase some carbohydrate or sodium, you can maybe get a little bit like, quote unquote, fluffy. Yep. You might feel like you look a little bit plump, yep. right? But it's just because you're pulling water into your muscles and your muscles are like, I needed this. Where was this before, yeah. right? So your body is working as it should. But you're looking at it as like a negative thing. And mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, wait a second. Okay, so I just increased this, this, and that. Okay, so I can't ever have that. And I think that's what we end up seeing. Sometimes. This is why you, this is a self-awareness game. There's nothing wrong with doing physique competitions. There's nothing wrong with doing it, right? If it makes you happy, you love the process, all well and good. But this is why tying self-worth or value to how you look at a given moment is, f- it's far too flimsy. It's fickle. Right, because your body's going to adapt based on what you're doing. So there's eating for life every day, right? And you have to separate that from if I am going to do a physique competition. It doesn't define me. It's a process you like to go through, right? And separating your identity to it. But people go through this. Like it is a, I get, I get why, right? You're going to look the best you like physically. Holy shit, you're going to be ripped up. You're going to look great. But to think that that is something that you're going to be forever static not going to happen you you have to fluctuate out of that right and i feel like responsible bodybuilders on instagram they're like super open about it like i follow some and they're like there's the reverse dieting there's a psychological fluctuation of post competition um a lot of them make it very clear like a this is not sustainable like you were saying this is not a lifelong thing and b what people need to realize is that yes these physiques are awesome but it's this is a sport like kind of how we're performance-based training now like these people like this this is their sport this is how they're measuring performance knowing that it's not forever and they will come out of it and when people make unrealistic goals to look like a bodybuilder two weeks out of a competition like 
they're not taking the time to responsibly understand the process like bodybuilders are. They're not participating in that sport and they aren't taking the measures like bodybuilders do afterward to get back to their maintenance and get back to what they even say is like a healthier version of themselves. And so um, I think there is transparency out there, but people aren't really, sometimes they don't listen to that transparency Mm -hmm. and they just think, oh, like, if someone can achieve that physique, I can and I can maintain it. And it's it's just super hard. It takes a lot of work. It's just the extremes, man. Like you, you like there's a lot of people that train here that look g- great all year. Like they look in phenomenal shape all year. There's just, I would argue, a more balanced approach. It's like we're training hard really all year and you have a more sustainable way of approaching food, like a healthier relationship to food, right? And you can still have a lower body fat percentage. We're just not saying like you're not going to be at 3% where you're just completely shredded like you can say sub 10 all year right and have a healthy relationship with things yeah i think that maybe a great way to approach it for people um is you know to kind of like cycle your year though and understand kind of when you're quote unquote in season because if you end up looking if you end up looking at professional athletes they have what they have pre-season they have in season they have post-season so it might be helpful for someone to think of their life like that call whatever you want i don't really care call it beach season and then call it like i don't know like bulking winter you know, bulking season it's winter it's cold out that it's extra layer and, <laughs> and the thing is like that that isn't a novel approach right i think people say yep okay this is this is the time i'm gonna cut right there's cutting and there's bulking which you know, I think that that can be done incorrectly, but I think maybe people have to think about that if they shift their mentality to maybe like seeing themselves having, you know, their whatever their in season is. For some people, that might be like that might be the winter. Who knows? That's right? a I think it's yeah. a great approach. So I have a question, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually saw a really great post. I think you reposted it from Jordan Syatt on Instagram, and it said, "Love we'll Jordan. No Jordan, it- come on the show, please." <laughs> yes, he's awesome. <laughs> um, but. He, he made a post about how you cannot diet every day of the year or you can't lose a pound every week. That's like 50 plus pounds. Yeah. And so like at what point when you're working with people who come to you and it's like a long term play, maybe they are um, overweight compared to what a doctor recommends and they need to lose a substantial amount of weight. And, you know, it's going to be a long journey. Like, how do you how do you approach people when they are trying to lose weight? So it's not just like, let's try to cut out um, a deficit every single week until inevitably a lot of people burn out. Like, how, how do you balance the, okay, this is a long-term play, but we need to create a deficit over time. Do you, um, do you cycle those or do you give them a mental break for a week? Or like, how do you approach that kind of client? So I'll always start these questions with, well, it depends, right? And and I think everybody should because it does depend on the person. I think mental mental fortitude is something that a lot of people might have more of or less of. So um, there are some people who can just stay in a deficit and do it appropriately or do it. I think just keep a strong mentality around it, right? Um, their lifestyles may be appropriate for it, and that's fine. Um, and so as, lo- as long as their health checks out and they are seeing, you know, those off-scale victories and they're feeling good, they're training well, they're getting stronger, all that kind of stuff is good and we can keep them in a deficit. But if I start to see someone struggling, right, and someone, like we might see someone starting to binge a little bit, well, then we might have to work in something like more of these diet breaks. We talked about diet breaks uh, at some point. Um, but, um, 
working in diet breaks, there's not really, there's not a right or wrong answer with that. But if I'm working with someone, I would say like after each month, I, I'm not going to set a diet break, but we're going to evaluate if it's going to benefit them. So we'll see, we'll kind of bring them down. And in that month, it's so hard because I can run all my algorithms that I want to. And it says, you're going to lose 1.1 pounds in a week. Well, I'm going to tell someone like, well, one week you might lose four, another week you might gain two, another Mm -hmm. week you might end up losing nothing. Right. And so you have to understand like what it is going to be at the end of the month. But that's when you have to really know that it will take time and you have to not just focus on the scale. I do ask people to take daily morning weights for the reason that they understand how their body fluctuates. So and why I do that is that they dissociate from the scale towards the end of it all. You end up taking your weights and you're telling me about your off scale victories. Right. So maybe at the end of the month, you've seen, you know, some weight loss in the scale. Well, how do you feel? I feel really great. I put on some pants I couldn't put on a year ago. Um, I'm feeling really good. Okay. So the next week we kind of continue. And then all of a sudden they're like, my weight went up. What am I supposed to do? Right. And I'm like, well, tell me about those pants. They still fit. Okay. You you feel good. You're still, you're still progressing your workouts. Yeah. Okay. Then what does the scale mean to you at that point? Right. So that would be someone that maybe could benefit from a diet break possibly. Um, But, you know, having that conversation, maybe we don't need one. So I don't have a specific answer for you in terms of like how I would work that in. But I would say um, that I like to show people what like their like the lowest point of their energy needs are, which is usually like I don't like people going less than 70 percent of the amount of calories that they that they would end up needing. But I'm not going to keep someone that low for that long. So I might kind of like slowly bring them down from like 90 percent of their needs, 80 percent, 70 percent, stay there for like two or three weeks, maybe then kind of come back up to 80 maybe come back down to 70 up oh, performance doesn't feel so good. Let's bring it back up to 80, maybe 90 for a week. So it's really like listening to the person Does that answer your question. Yeah. Right? No, I love the off scale victories comment. I feel like that even goes to the training aspect of switching to more performance based training is like having training goals, having um, nutrition goals that mm-hmm. aren't just body fat and right. body weight, but being able to say, Hey, like, I do feel better in these jeans and I just ran a mile the fastest I've ever ran it. Right. Those are awesome things to keep you going. Yeah. yeah. And like people like uh, there's a lot of like when I ask about off scale victories, people a lot of times be like, oh, well, you know what? Um, Susan from accounting said I look good. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Like that's an off scale victory. Someone someone is paying you a compliment. Thanks, right? Susan. And the more compliments. <laughs> we that- need more Susan's out there. <laughs> no, <right? laughs> Susan Appreciate was- you, Susan. Susan's a good parent. Um, but she would, uh, wait, what are saying? Um, uh, that I think in itself can be something that you can make sure that you're kind of looking at. Okay. I'm getting compliments. Like you're feeling more confident. Do you feel more confident today? Yeah. I feel more confident. What does the number on the scale really mean to you? Like, it's just an objective measure. It's one, it's one metric. It's yeah. not always the full picture. Yeah. Right. Like I've gained weight the last year. I'm not like, that's good for me. Right. It's not always a bad thing. Uh, so when I would argue going back to what you're saying, if you're looking at one thing or even like a small window of time and you're judging yourself, I think that can be really harsh. Like I look at the bigger picture. Like you should be in this game for the rest of your life, right? Like you're always going to want to maintain a level of health. I would hope. Right. And even if you're vastly overweight today and you're starting your journey now, I wouldn't be gauging your success based on a month or even a year. I mean, you should be looking at a 10 year picture, a 20 year and, and thinking about progress, right? An example that I like to use is, you know, even if you look at the stock market, right? If you're 
uh, investing in your 401k and you're looking at the evaluation of 2019, right? If you judge it based on the month of December, it was a bad month and we, you went down 10, 15%. Well, if I was looking at December, I'd be like, I'm not investing in the stock market at all. But if you looked at the entire year of 2019, you would have made like 25% return. So look at the big picture. You're going to have maybe a bad moment. Maybe you fell off the wagon for a second. It's okay. Forgive yourself. Don't judge yourself too harshly. Just jump back on. Just like stay in the game is what I always try to tell people. Big picture. Yeah, I think find that happiness while you're doing it. You actually posted a picture to day or yesterday that I thought was really interesting. Um, I'm going to explain it and you're going to tell me what it was. It was a graph and this graph showed you progression over time. Yeah, I believe. Right. And it showed, um, I don't know, is that enough information? Can you talk more about that? Because that I think is something where you're saying you can't compare yourself. Like what I always do think about is when you start comparing yourself to someone else, right? Like everything is relative. Like the only person that you can compare yourself to is yourself six months ago, I believe. If you really want to know that you're, that you really are starting to progress, like really look at where you were then and then compare because you are not going to be the same person as somebody else. Just like with, with this Joe, um, with your graph, I think it was showing how somebody can progress in their training in the first I don't know, three months. Right. Right. But then if you if you start to compare yourself in like the, you know, months down the line, you're like, man, I'm not progressing at all as I was in the first one or two months. Like everybody knows in the industry, at least that your fitness will progress very quickly at the beginning. If you're an untrained individual, there's a lot of like studies where everyone's like, oh, well, it looks like they ate this or they lifted this way and they and they had this result. Well, were they a trained or an untrained population? Right. So I think what you what you end up saying is you can't compare yourself to where you maybe started all the time. I don't know. Like just it's I think it's all relative yeah, that way. I mean, this right? is you get prin- what I'm saying here. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. This is a principle that applies to really anything in life. You start something new, you're probably going to see a lot of progress because it's brand new to you. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see significant strides. But as you get really, really good at something, like there's so many examples. So in the fitness side, this is the gra- graph was about rate of adaptation over your experience level. So as you become a novice to advanced, right? In the beginning, you see a huge rate of adaptation. You're gonna get stronger, faster, all that sort of stuff really quick. You're gonna lose weight really fast. As you get become an elite athlete, your performance improvements become minuscule. They can become really, really tiny. Like there's examples of, you know, PGA golfers, like these amazing athletes and golfers there's like a one stroke difference between the person that wins and like the 50th place, right? Like they are small, man. And if you have an Olympic squatter, like world record breaking, some of these guys and women will train for like two years to just gain five pounds on their squat. Like that's crazy, right? Because you become, you've reached such a high level. So yeah, to think that, all right, I started this fitness journey and man, I, I, you know, improved my bench press by 100% in the first year and that you're going to do that again is, you know, have a realistic expectation. And even, and that even goes for body changes, right? Like people who have never worked out and didn't eat well and then suddenly work out consistently eat well, they might see those changes and are used to that rate and then get a little discouraged, but you're right. Body changes, they take minimum I think like six months years and um even training at some point and being able to reflect like 
I encourage anyone who feels like they're plateauing, like, okay, today is February 2020 and February 2019, like, what was the weight you were lifting then? Like, how far have you come in a year? And it, then you realize, like, how much you, you have transformed. And even for me, like, I do feel like I, I'm adapting um, slower now, but, like, I look back at what I used to do in college or how I looked in college, it's completely different. And that's, that took years, right? And so really understanding, like, where you originally started, that starting point, how much you've grown today and then you, many, many years to come, it's just, it, it's a constant journey. And that's why it should be looked at, like you were saying, it, it's a lifestyle. It, it shouldn't be just constant dieting and constant programming. Like, at the end of the day, it's just like, how is it going to benefit how you live your life for many more years to come? I think this is uh, a, a good uh, thought into consistency. You have to find your happiness and your comfort in consistency because if you if you train so hard and you progress so quick and you're not able to see, like your body just won't see those changes or with body fat or a talent of some sort, right? Like someone who is a, uh, a violinist, right? You're only going to get so good as a violinist, you know, the more you do it, right? Like, how how much better can the best violinist in the world actually get, right? How much faster can Usain Bolt be? Well, I don't know about now, but like how much faster could he have actually gotten, right? If you look at like when he was at his prime, you can't get that much faster. So he had to be comfortable in that consistency. Okay, what keeps me here? All right, well, what keeps me here is like working on the gym seven days a week with people I don't like and it's like so expensive and I just don't like this. Like that would suck. Like you don't want to do that kind of thing. It's the same thing with food, right? So if it, if, it took, if it took you protein bars and powders and pills to kind of get to a certain point, you're not going to want to, you want to, not going to want to stay consistent with that. So you have to learn and adapt and kind of be comfortable with that, with that consistent lifestyle and that consistent habit at that point. And that's hard. I think that's, that is, I always tell people that's 60% of the battle, especially when it comes to body changes, mm. 40, 40% of the challenge is really making that change, right? 40% may end up being six, seven, eight months, right? Of, of actual like body fat loss, but that 60% to actually learn how to maintain yourself now, that's the hardest. Yeah. I think that's the reason why a lot of people quit is usually looking for the short term approach mm-hmm. versus I really want to change like my life or like I'm, I'm, I'm just in this for the long game. Yeah. Right? Anytime I'm working with someone from the training side and they're like, yeah, I'm going to do this for 30 days or I'm training for summer. So you might be locked in now, but that's going to be a fleeting reason um, rather than looking for something that's going to benefit your life and, and, and finding a way that you could be healthy for a really long time. Yeah, maybe help them find that why and get deeper and deeper and deeper and like annoy them. Be like, okay, I want to work with you because you sound like you want to make a change, but why? I really want to know because the stronger your why is, the more fun it's going to be for me very selfishly. Dude, seriously though. You can say that as a trainer. Yeah, I have the most fun with the clients that are like locked in with a strong reason why. Yeah, I feel like whenever we talk about your clients, you're always like, they're killing it right now, right? They're killing it because they want it, right? And there's a reason that they want it. They're not just doing it because... The magazine said they're going to look good once they do it. No, man. And we have the conversation with all my clients. We all, I sit down with them literally with a whiteboard and I'll say, why do you want this? What in your life is making you want to train at this intensity, right? Because 
it's it's hard, right? The, the, the training that we're doing is performance training. It can be challenging because we're trying to see, you know, truly performance uh, changes. So you have to train a certain way, like like an athlete. And uh, to do that, you got to know why you're doing it because you go in every day, you're waking up early or you're training maybe once or twice a day um, and it's a lifestyle change you're going to have moments where you're like, this is hard. I should quit. And if you have a strong why, that's what pushes you through to dig deep. And that's, man, that's the beautiful part of training. Like that's fun. Like I love breaking barriers. I love setting like a new, like, man, I couldn't squat that last week. And you know, then you go in and you sprint in class. You're like, damn, I've gotten a lot faster. You feel great, you know, for the right reasons. And I mean, that shit carries you. It does. I have a question for you. Have you ever gotten to the whiteboard and you started writing and realized it was unnecessary to start writing the whiteboard? Yes, I do that all the time. It's so embarrassing, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Ryan loves the whiteboard. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, it just it keeps me, it keeps my, uh, Rachel is talking about my whiteboard that I put a quote on every once in a while. Say the quote. This quote, it was adapted from a quote by Michael Scott. Yeah. You miss 100% of the protein you don't eat. It's true. It, yeah. It's very true. It's yeah. logical. <laughs> Spitting facts. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that guy on the end? Did you, did you watch any NFL games? Booger? Ever? I think it's Booger. <laughs> I think it's, I know, I'm sorry, this season. I think the guy did Monday Night Football. I think his name was Booger. He'd be like, oh, yeah, this team's losing because they're not scoring enough. It's like, uh, yeah, buddy. Oh, <laughs> thanks for the insights there. I appreciate that. Like, Everybody thank was. Gosh, the team that there. scores like, more like, today yeah. is going to win. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think they used to be Madden, right? And then it turned into this dude. The most obvious so reasons. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, this is, I mean, this is a great conversation. I think like at the end of the day, we're, we're just trying to give you guys some maybe better ex- setting, like better expectations going in for your training. Cause we obviously all love it. I mean, we're all training. I mean, I'm exercising, right. We want to, it's fun when you do these things for the right reasons. It's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just seen so many people have, you know, the wrong expectations or go in with a, with a poor mindset and they, uh, yeah, they quit early and they miss out on all the fun. I think. I agree. And kind of going back to what you were saying, Ryan, when like people enter the, the hardest part is like that maintenance, right? Of like mm. how much f- food you need to maintain a lifestyle and just be happy and enjoy life and enjoy your company. And um, that same thing with training, like the long-term play, it's not maintenance, like you're still setting goals, but it's no longer like hitting the gym seven days a week and like going all out. Like what can you maintain and keep a great lifestyle and be happy for the long-term, right? And I think that ties into, at least for me, like when I hit that point of like, I'm going to work out when it's best for me and I'm going to eat how it fits my lifestyle. And, and this is my body as a result. Like that's my, that's my body. And like this lifestyle I've crafted in this world of nutrition, fitness, and, um, those around me, like it, it's, it's my long-term, um, current state. Right. And I think finding that, like you were saying, is is the hardest for most people. But once you do, it it's such a it's a great journey to be on. Mm. And it's hard to find yourself. I would mm-hmm. say reach out for help. And I'm not saying you have to hire someone to do that, but have the conversation at least. Be like, hey, you know what? I've been I've been having a really hard time kind of you know, maintaining or knowing what the next step is. And you should know that maybe there's not a next step. It's just the consistent step, the consistent right. movement. So. 
Like reach out, just make sure you're having the conversation and maybe get some help. If you have to hire someone, hire someone, but just understand how to, you know, find uh, happiness and consistency. That's where community comes in, honestly. I mean, that's why most people join the gym community, right? Because you're elevating your standards with the group that you're around, right? You schedule workouts with your people. So it's sustainable. You're not even thinking about going to the gym because you're, you're going with your friends. You're like, we're going to go here and there and, and people around you then have healthier habits because of the nature of the environment that you're in. Yeah. I think we talked about this a while ago where you were in uh, maybe a circle of friends or, you know, you would, you'd be like, you know what? We're not going to schedule so much of like a drinking night. We're going to schedule workout night. I forget, right? Weren't you mentioned yeah. that before? And I, that was a really great, like you just wanted to shift how your life was and it, and you know, I don't, I don't think you talked to anybody about that, but it was, I think that's when you were discovering fitness a little bit more yeah, in, yeah, like yeah. early on in your career. But you said, this doesn't make me feel good, right? Like you really looked inside of yourself and you said, I know what makes me feel good. This doesn't anymore. Right. Maybe you matured out of that or whatever it was, but you're like, I now, I now like this. I, I always thought that was cool. Right. And like find your group, right? If you feel like your group is not helping you find happiness, you might have to find a new group and got to be okay with that. This is a huge, a huge factor. It's true. You hear this advice with so many things with your earning income, right? They say you're going to have the average salary of your five closest friends. Oh, is that what they say? Yeah. Okay. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Cause you're adopting how they talk, how they make decisions, how they do things. Right. So you're going to, you're, we're all human beings. You adapt to the environment that you're in. You become an sense. average of the people you're around. So if you are trying to make changes, one of the quickest ways to adapt new habits is to change your environment radically. So if you've never worked out, Right. And I, if you, you've lived, if you live in Nebraska and it never worked out and all of a sudden you moved to New York and you, we put you into the tone house environment for a year, your shit would change real quick. Alonzo would make sure of it. (laughs) (laughs) You would learn new things, right? You'd see how you'd see different examples. Yeah. Right. You never saw this way to live before. So then you see it and you're like, oh, okay, let me try that. Yeah. It definitely makes sense. But if your friends drink all day, eat pizza. What do you think you're going to do? And I, I actually got this advice from someone a long time ago. I, I, um, I remember at some point I was trying to hold on to a group of my friends who I now kind of think of like my drinking buddies, right? Those are my drinking friends. But at the time I was like, no, 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 I have to make sure this works. Like those are my friends. My friends are my friends. I can't have any other friends. Right. Um, and I'm not like, that's just, maybe I was just messed up at the time thinking like that. Um, but you, but you can start to bucket people and then realize which bucket you might feel a little better in. And that's, that maybe is going to change throughout the year as well. Um, but again, I think it, I think it really just stems from understanding kind of what you want and your happiness and being able to just define yourself. Don't let yeah, anybody man. else define you. And I think this might sound so cliche, like, yeah, like just define yourself. Like, do, you. do, it. do and, you, but this, but this is that conversation and people have to hear this stuff, right? Because we have to be reminded that, like it's okay to want something different than even your spouse. It's okay to want something different than your friends. It's okay to want something different than your neighbor, right? Yeah, of course it is. I just, I, I just, I know that it is hard. Like it truly is hard to change and create new habits for the right reasons and make it sustainable. I just, when I was doing this, like in the example you bring up, I just more had the awareness that for me to create long lasting habits, I had to change who I was around. And yeah. so I encourage you guys to do that. Like if you're really trying to like change your environment, uh, radically look at your life. Like I would map out my habits, write it down. Like, where am I spending my time? Where am I going? And be conscious and be like, I usually go here at lunch. I'm changing it. I'm going to go here because we get cycle. habitual. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And that's okay. It's a good thing. But once in a while you got to check in and say, what are my habits? And you know, how can I, how can I introduce new ones? Are you, are you seeing that now in your circle? I think, you know, from what I see, I think that you are a voice of reason for some, I mean, I don't know. People are reaching out to me because they're like, well, what is it Rachel did? I really want to know right now. Right. (laughs) They're like, you told her she could eat carbs and I need you to tell me that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That was the message I got. She's like, uh, Ryan. So, um, Rachel like doubled her carb intake and she was like really happy, but like, really is that what i do like and so it was just like getting like everyone's different right absolute so, like, advice just, <laughs> just blanket yeah. advice everybody like just eat know. more cars and we're good <laughs> yeah um, but no i mean i'm i'm very lucky that the core group of friends that i have in new york we we're all active we enjoy a night in and eating well and having a glass of wine over drinking until 4am. And so I'm lucky in that sense, but I I agree that who you surround yourself with and your long-term goals, like those need to be consistently assessed. And even like we're, we're all talking here, right? Talk like happy that we've kind of figured out our way of a lifestyle. But like, again, being completely honest, like I'm not in that mindset all the time. I'm not always 100% confident or always um, feeling great at the gym. And like, th- there's times where you do need to just uh, like acknowledge when you um, do need to reassess your environment or need to reassess your goals. Um, and it's an it's an ongoing process, right? But I think as people get older and more mature and understand what they do want out of life like that translates down to your community and how you work out and the choices you make um so it's awesome i I, i've heard i've heard it put sometimes that you will do more for others than you do for yourself right so be around people that you want to help right because i mean that's one of my whys like fitness has evolved to me where i don't care so much about my own individual performance i really and I don't do competitions as much anymore. It's not about a me thing. Like I really want to just help people around. Right. And I think when I'm sure that's why you do it, right. You start doing things for your family. Right. It's like, I can't get off track because I want to do better by the people that I love and that you care about. Um, that's a, that's a powerful place to be. I think you're right for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, well, I think this was, an amazing talk. Awesome. I, I, we, I mean, we touched on a lot of different things. Rachel, thanks for joining us today again. Thank you for having me. Absolutely amazing. I'm just going to show up next time. Yeah, that's great. she's just yeah. coming every time. Well, we've already said you're part of the team now. <laughs> this has been a great time for the Threes Company. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else on your end, sir? No, I'm good, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, I'm, I'm always happy to share uh, kind of the, the, the outlook we have. I'm, I'm hoping people are getting something from all this i hope so rachel you got something else to say to the people you got to sign off nope just hope everyone has a great day oh she did a snap (laughs) snap. (laughs) thanks guys we'll see you next time